It's hard to stay sober in the city. Here's your sobriety assistant, Debbie Strand. This is Sober in the City, brought to you by Believe Treatment Center. Believe Treatment Center understands and treats all forms of addiction. Call now, 1-855-874-2354, or visit believetreatmentcenter.com. Advisors are standing by to tell you how they can help and how your insurance can pay for it. We're back with more Sober in the City, and I'm Debbie Strand. We're talking about what do you do when you get out of rehab? How do you get a sponsor and how do you start rebuilding your life? Call us 800-SOBER-05, 800-SOBER-05 and share on the topic. Also tell me, did you stay sober through the weekend? If you didn't, give me a call and let me know how you're struggling. What's going on between your ears that's making you go back out? What makes you think that loaded is better instead of being sober? I think sober better, maybe because I'm sober. I don't know. If you think someone you might care about might have a problem with drugs, alcohol, food issues, sex, gambling, love addiction, I don't care what your addiction is, call us again, 800-SOBER-05. I'd love to hear from you, and let's figure out how we can get you some help for you or your loved one. So let us know, what is your opinion of all this stuff that we got going on here today? I want to hear from you, and you can also listen to our show. Visit the website at SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for both Apple and Android devices. So call now, 800 Sober zero five. We are talking about what do you do when you get out of rehab? How do you get a sponsor? Rebuilding our lives. I didn't go to rehab. I didn't go to the program right away, but I was rebuilding my life. I got a job. I participated with my family. I kept my room clean. I helped keep the house. I contributed to cooking meals, the grocery shopping. I kept a job. I showed up. I saved my money. I got a license. Eventually, I got a car. I did have a little reward system set up for myself. I started going to the nail salon and getting my nails done every other week. And and that was something that was special to me. And I still keep my nails. And I started to slowly rebuild my wardrobe and to get my hair done. I got another job. I got a better job. And then little by little, I got a different job. When I started working in a law firm, I had two pair of black pants and five tops to match. So I had the shirt for Monday, I had the Tuesday shirt and the Wednesday and so on. But little by little, I started to add to that and started to feel better about myself. And my life started to change. I started out with a house with a roommate, and then I got my own little apartment, then I got a nicer apartment. And little by little, we start to change. I also wanted to have five years when I only had two years. And I can't have 10 years. I have to go by it one step at a time. And I didn't even think that I could get 30 days back to back, but eventually there it was. And 30 days on top of 30 days on top of 30 days, bam, you know, it adds up. And I've got eight years now, a lot of people with a lot more time than me and some with less, but we're just going to put it together a little bit at a time, a piece at a time. So we're going to go to our callers and see what are you doing when you get out of rehab. We're going to go to Richard in Punta Gorda, Florida. Richard from Punta Gorda, Florida. Welcome to Sober in the City. Hi, Debbie. Thank you for having me on today. Thanks for being here. Can you share, please, on the topic about how what what do we do when we get out of rehab? What should we do when we get out of rehab? How do you go about getting a sponsor? And how do you start to rebuild your life? Well, I think the simple answer is you do it very carefully. Uh, I remember when I got out of rehab uh, back in uh, 1974, there were absolutely no meetings. I got, I got sober in the, the Republic of the Philippines. There were absolutely no meeting uh, within 100 miles. Uh, therefore, you don't find a sponsor if there's no meeting. Uh, they walked out the door and they said, keep seeking God. That's the end of that. And that's been my mantra ever since then. So, But the people they sponsor today, when they come out of rehab, they most of them 
most of them don't have a clue what's going on. They're just able to breathe, much less think about stuff. You know, it's like, just breathe and let's, let's see God, you know. That, uh, today, uh, I see that as a, as a problem in our program. Everybody has a, a wise word of do this, do this, do this, do this. But they got that after years after they've been in the program. They didn't think that the day they walked out of rehab, they were so confused and, and possibly angry and fearful. They just didn't have any sense about them. So today I try and get them just stand still and breathe. So right. uh, I kind of kind of go against the grain of a lot of people, I think, when I say that. But, you know, what the heck, after uh, all these years, it's been effective for me. How long are you sober? Since February the 8th, 1974. 74. So you've got a good long time. That's awesome. Congratulations to you. And as you know, as I was saying in the opening of this segment, it's one day at a time, it's little by little, and it's piece by piece. And your journey was that you didn't have somebody holding your hand, you didn't have somebody showing you the way, and you really had to rely on God. Now I've had sponsees that, you know, they want to be my new best friend, and they want to hang out with me all the time. They want to go to every meeting I go to. So you can go to the same meeting I'm, I'm going to, but don't sit with me. I want you to start learning to not rely on me, to start to rely on something else, to start to get faith. And I think, and maybe you'll agree with me, tell me if you do, that this is just more of the coddled society that we have coming up today, where everybody's codependent and taking care of each other, and everybody needs someone to help them rather than taking responsibility, personal responsibility for themselves and their own lives. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My, my, I've outlived eight sponsors and uh, every one of them admonished me about you go to meetings for you. I go to meetings for me. Leave me alone because I'm here to keep me better. You do what you want to do. If you want to go to the same meeting, that's great. But I'm here to keep me sober. And they were very adamant about that. So when I went to hang out at meetings, it was like, for me, not for them, I didn't want to hang around. Well, I did want to hang around, but they wouldn't let me. <laughs> they knew that I had to be very serious about this program is for me. It's not for my family, my work. It's for me. And I had to go to meetings for that purpose. And I do that today. I don't chase people. I mean, I, have, I watch a lot of people around me here. They have sponsors. They literally chase them on the phone. They chase them in their car. They oh, why don't you go into meetings? How come you don't call me? You need to do this. You need to do that. It's like, oh, my Lord, give me a break. Why is this person never going to learn to grow up? Exactly. I have a girl that calls me about every other week or so. Oh, and she leaves messages. I know you're mad at me. I haven't even been thinking about you. I'm on helping to I'm on to helping the next person who's saying, what should I do? What can I do? Um, What should I read? What what is going to get me through? What what did you do? What can you show me that you did? That's going to help me. You know, I'm not sitting around thinking about where you are. I have a very full life. I have a couple of jobs. I work hard and I have family. I have friends. I have things in my life now, thanks to sobriety. You know what I mean? If you have a sponsor that's chasing you around like that, I think you need a new one and they need to go to Al-Anon. Yeah, well, a lot of people, if you sit in the meeting and say that, like I do, because I've been a rebel all my dad's young life. (laughs) I was born at Christmas, so I was born to to be a rebel. (laughs) And I tell them that, you know, if, if your sponsor is dictating to you or, or uh, is, is, is proselytizing you, then you might want to go find another one. And everybody looks at me like, you can't say that. Well, sure I can. I can say anything I want to. I paid my buck. Get out of here. You know? yes. I, I just, I, 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 I got sober with a lot of people that, you know, wrote in the big book, the original manuscript. 
And these people were as hard as nails. You, they were here for a purpose. They weren't here for any societal reasons. They weren't here for any silly reasons. They were here to stay sober. That's it. You know? And I still, I still try to hold that today. Now, I'm like you. I live in a small town, probably 20,000 people. I'm a t- I teach Tai Chi and Qigong. I teach four times a week. I'm retired twice. I am very visible. So all these people that want to see me and my sponsees, they know where I'm at. They want to come by and say, hey, how you doing? That's fine. But don't try and grab me and drag me in the corner and say, well, what do I do to stay sober? See me in a meeting because that's where I'm going to be. Some people just don't like that stuff. You know, you know I like that I you don't. brought up the original manuscript because in the original manuscript, the paragraph that we often read in openings of particular meetings say that rarely... Well, the original manuscript says, never have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And then they had to change it to rarely have we seen a person fail who has, never fo- who has thoroughly followed our path. So I think maybe it was making concessions for what was coming down the pike eventually anyway, where we have to give people this out, you know, where they could be constitutionally incapable. I don't think you are. <laughs> have people throw that excuse to me all the time. I had another sponsee call me drunk on the phone, left me like three messages, and she's going, I'm constitutionally incapable. No, you're not. You're drunk. You're sober for 10 years. You can do this. I don't want to hear it. Grow up. You know, so yeah, I, I tend to be a little bit hard line too. Now, back in those days, uh, the 30s, the early 40s, success, successful numbers were important, and the ment- early mentors of this program knew that they were important because it wanted it to last. And the Rockefellers and the, and the J.P. Morgans, you know, they wanted to see bottom-line numbers. They weren't going to really give us a lot of anything, but they, they had a council bill. You know, you need to be successful here. Well, that's why we were down chasing drunks in the Bowery. We were down on the docks. We were down in Trenton, New Jersey, dragging people out of the alleys. Because the probabilities of success for those guys is like eighty-five to ninety percent. Easy, easy people. They you know let them see that their life is unmanageable. Well, today we don't have. I remember Fast Eddie from DC, nineteen forty-nine, with his first meeting. Walked up, <clears throat> knocked on the door. The guy says, "Oh, you've been drinking, kid." The guy says, "Oh, no, three or four years." He slammed the door in his face. It's beautiful. He drank for another 10 years. 1959, he came back that sober. And nowadays, you smoke a joint, your parents are throwing you in rehab. You know, you're 14 years old, the parents are throwing you in rehab for smoking a joint. Yeah. I mean, it's so maybe you have to put the parents in rehab, let the kids go for one of them. (laughs) They need to go to codependent rehab. I I was fortunate to help uh, start many Navy. I was in the Navy when I got sober, and I was on there in there for another fourteen years sober, and I was able to help start a bunch of programs. And the the Navy kept saying one thing: show us success, show us numbers, and we designed everything to make sure it was a successful program. Because without that, you don't have funding. Without that, you don't have personnel. And then you don't have have a program. program. Yep, exactly. We were just smart enough because. Most of the people, Gene Cooney and I and, and some of the others, uh, were just smart enough and had been taught by the early members of this fellowship. You go after the ones that you know for a fact are willing and capable and are ready to get sober. That's the ones you go after. And those were easy. They were all over the place. They were all over the newspaper and, and Navy Times. You know, they were easy. Richard, thank you so much for sharing some of that history with us. That's really incredible to hear. We're going to go to Sandra. She's on the line from Boyertown, Pennsylvania. 
Sandra, welcome to Sober in the City. Oh, good. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's nice to hear your voice, too, for a change. <laughs> yeah, I know, uh, right? Like, face-to-face on the phone. I know. Um, yeah, like, okay, so, you know, I was understanding the topic is what we do, you know, after leaving treatment. And um, my treatment program, in the end, was in custody treatment through the Broward County Drug Court System and uh, Judge Marsha Beach. And at that point, I was desperate. I had, she had, you know, she really loved me and so I could love myself. And uh, because I, like, the first thing she put me into was a 30-day, you know, in-custody program. And then, you know, and you're barely even detoxed after 30 days, much much less, you know, not being able to assimilate all the information that they're, you know, cramming into your head. And so, you know, when she put me in a halfway house, the halfway house, was on the other side of what I like to call enemy territory, um, you know, which was my old neighborhood. To get to my probation office, I had to go through there. So, you know, I made it like, you know, the first time I didn't even make it to the probation officer once. You know, I got on the bus and I went to go and, you know, and I failed. I never made it. So then, you know, of course, a little while later, I get picked up again because I'm in drug court. You know, there was a warrant. So I get picked up again and... Um, this time she put me in, in the 90 day in custody treatment program, which was the best thing that ever could have happened to me in my life. I, uh, you know, the first 30 days I, I really got to detox, you know, the second 30 days I started to assimilate the information that they were giving me. And the last 30 days I did what I'd never done before. And that was make a plan. Um, I had to plan out exactly what I was going to do and where I was going to stay and how I was going to get to the place that I needed to go. And, you know, um, and I even made some contacts with um, some people that I had met at the one meeting that I had gone to. Um, I actually wrote to the meeting house and, and found somebody that was willing to write me and become my sponsor, you know, temporarily while I was still incarcerated. And, you know, with the, the plan that I made was, was really the key. I actually, you know, when I got out, I put myself in a different time. I, I specifically asked to go to a specific halfway house, not leave things up to my, you know, my, my, um, my court appointed people that were, you know, responsible for putting me somewhere. And, you know, so I went to a Christian halfway house. Um, I, you know, I got, I got a job, which was, you know, which really wasn't a job that I should have had. So, and I had no references. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have any work history for about three years because I'd been out, you know, on the run. So what I did was I went to um, a culinary skills class for the homeless and I got, you know, contact and support through that. And, you know, these are all little things that I had to do to help rebuild my life. I started going to, um, um, you know, a place called St. Francis down in Dania, Florida. Um, and, and met some more people and that's where I met my sponsor. And as, and as far as, uh, you know, like I was terrified to get a sponsor. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I didn't, you know, I, I didn't know how. I had no concept. So somebody told me, so I asked them, I said, how do you find a sponsor? And they told me to pick the person, the woman in the room that I liked the least, <laughs> the one that bugged me, the one that pissed me off the most. And that was the one that I had to go ask to be my sponsor. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I've had one of those. Yes. Yeah. And she helped me yes. a ton. Wow. Did she help me? Holy cow, she's still yeah, a really I good asked, friend. Well, I had, 
Yeah, well, I had asked the person that told me that. Why? Why? Because they said, because that's the person you're most jealous of. She has what you want. You yes. know, and that's why you don't like her. You, She has what you want, and you don't have it, and she does, and that pisses you off. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and to top that all off, <laughs> to top that all off, when I did ask this person, they turned me down, which was <laughs> devastating, <laughs> which was devastating. So, but you know what she did was she turned me on to the next most annoying person, Dar. <laughs> oh, wow. It's very like. So, yeah, so she turned me on to the next most important, you know, annoying person, you know, that was, that was actually turned out to be her sponsor, which is actually the person that I really needed because that was the one that was going to be the most top, you know. So, you know, and I did what she told me to do. She helped me make a plan um, for how to get, you know, around my, my, my enemy territory, you know, and, and, and so instead of taking a bus, um, you know, taking one bus directly to where I needed to go, I, I ended up taking three buses to go around the area that I did not need to go through because I had to be self-aware of, you know, my, you know, what my triggers were, my triggers were on the bus going, going that way, you know? So anyways, um, you know, but I had made a, you know, I made a plan and I got a sponsor and I, I got, you know, she got me right into my steps. She didn't let me delete Valley around, you know? And, 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 and take a whole year to go through my steps like some people do, or a couple of years. I had to go. She said, you're going to get through them. You're going to get through them now. And, you know, and then we're going to do them again. She says, don't, don't try and trip yourself up on, you know, making each step perfect or, or, or so, you know, don't second guess yourself. Just get it done. She says, there's always going to be, you're going to be doing these for the rest of your life. And, which was a big thing that helped me because I agonized. I agonized over my steps. Right. You know, and I got such anxiety. Oh, my God. The anxiety was horrible. Yeah. yeah, it's something that we really need to let wash over us because when I went to go do my steps, they put me right into the writing of the fourth step. And they said, well, there is no work outlined in the big book of of the program that tells you what to do for one, two and three. It's just something that's going to come to you. And basically for me, it did, you know, by the time I was done with five, six, seven, going into eight and nine, I understood one, two and three. I understood them. You know, I mean, I read about them. I saw them shared about and heard about, shared about in meetings and read some other literature that talked about them. But, um, you know, it was something that had to wash over me. And the longer I'm sober, it's like I'm becoming that piece of glass that's in the ocean, you know, that beach glass, we call it, you know, that it's all, Mm -hmm. the edges are all soft. and Yeah, the edges are all soft and you know, it's, it's where it is. It's, recovery is wearing off my tough edges. It really is. So we're going to go to Shane. Mm-hmm. Shane is from Salt Lake City, Utah. Shane, welcome to Sober in the City. You want to share on the topic, please? What do you do when you get out of rehab? How do you start to well, rebuild your I, I life? And how do you to, get a sponsor? Well, um, for me, um, I'm a chronic relapser, Debbie. And um, my, my thing was, it's very easy for me to um, be successful and get a great job and start making that money. And, um, so right away, my head starts telling me that I don't have to, you know, do any work and I don't have to have a sponsor and I don't have to go to meetings. Um, and so after having several failed attempts at sobriety, um, I had a a federal judge decide that I was going to, um, do a, another residential treatment program, which was my second one. And in that residential treatment program, um, they had AA meetings. 
several times a week. And so we had a lot of um, individuals coming in that were doing the deal. And they came in and they would share their stories. And we talked about uh, in the treatment, you know, what do you do when you leave? I mean, that's a big deal because you come in there and you, you get hit with all this treatment and the psychology, you know, and everyone telling you, you know, working on your issues. Um, and you, you don't really have a, a really good plan. You know, 60 to 90 days goes really quick. And then you jump out there, and what do you do then? Well, um, we had a gentleman that would come in and share, and I just kind of got to know him. And there was a lot of people you get to know, but this gentleman uh, had been to prison, like myself, and when he shared his story, something just clicked with me. And um, I sat and you know listened to him share for two or three months, and about a couple of weeks before I was um, going to be leaving the facility, I asked him to be my sponsor. And um, my experience, Deb, and I'll, I'll tell you, um, my experience in the fellowship and seeing everybody that I see, it's great if you can do this without treatment. It's great if you can do this um, without the steps and a sponsor. But my experience is it doesn't, it rarely happens. Um, you know, my experience is that there's a couple things that are very important. One, and I, I appreciate what Sandra said, you know, find the meanest person or the person you don't like the least, you know, the person you like the least as your sponsor, you know, that's, that's not my experience. Um, my experience is to find someone that I connect with and that I understand their story. Yes, I want what they have, um, but I also want to feel like, you know, that I can connect with them on, on some level as well. Um, so my suggestion um, to anybody that's looking, and I think sponsorship's hugely important, but, you know, find don't just grab the first sponsor you get. You know, I see a lot of people in the fellowship that do not get along or are afraid of their sponsor or their sponsor makes them feel one way or another or, or them, you know, they have those feelings towards I their see, sponsor. I see a lot so, of sponsors shame sponsees. They give them shame. They shame them. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, and that's why exactly I think it's critical, Deb, that we, we um, find a sponsor that, you know, what I, what I like to do and, and tell people is, um, you know, listen to people share. And, you know, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't have to jump out and get a sponsor today. I do suggest that you do it as quickly as possible so you can start working the steps and, and stay involved. But you want to find somebody that, you know, and, and if you go to enough meetings or if you listen long enough, and when I say that, I, I don't mean months and months, but you'll find someone that you connect with. And when you have that connection with someone, um, you know, my sponsor, we had different stories, but the same. We both ended up in prison. And so um, when he shared his story, I had a lot of those same feelings. You know, I thought I was a tough guy. Really, I was just a scared guy. And he shared about that. And I went, wow, that's me. And, you know, um, letting, letting our fear um, make us try and act like tough guys and, and land in prison. And so when I got my sponsor... Um, you know, he, and he, and he is a, he is a tough guy, <laughs> um, but he has a, a lot of the same fears I have. And, you know, the bottom line is you have to pick a sponsor that is going to make you do the work and you have to be prepared to do the work and you have to be prepared that your sponsor, you know, my sponsor doesn't call me and say, Hey Shane, I haven't heard from you. You know, my sponsor, you know, it's up to myself. It, it's, it's all on me to do the work and, uh, you know, he'll, 
he'll be there to guide me through it, and he'll be there to laugh at me when I call him up with a whole bunch of uh, chaos going on <laughs> in my head. And you know, and that's that's okay. And he'll say, "Go read this page, or go do this," and he'll always have something for me to do. Um, and quite honestly, not all the time he's nice to me. And there's some things he says to me that I'm not going to say on your show. But right. um, the bottom line is, um, you know, it's doing the work. And when you get out of um, treatment, I'll, I'll tell you another experience of mine is um, your callers are right. You know, it's when you get out of treatment, um, you're sitting there going, wow, what do I do next? And it, it's a tough thing. You know, um, 90 meetings in 90 days. Um, doing the deal, getting a job, you know, it's it's very, very imperative that you stay busy. And, you know, but stay busy in the positive things. Um, you know, I everyone always tells you about getting rid of the old phone numbers. You know, all that stuff is true. Um, you know, my, my experience is that it takes a lot of work to stay sober. It's very easy to get sober. And I'm a chronic relapser. So for me, um, you know, I've never done AA. Never had a sponsor, none of that until this go round. And um, what has been the difference is um, I, I now actually am putting in the work, and I'm living the the principles and the traditions. And I, it's it's hard. It's not you know even I help people you know with addiction uh, for a living, and still um, you know I I had a relapse while doing that, um, and it was because I wasn't working my own program. I was really good at helping everybody stay sober, but I wasn't doing anything to take care of myself. Shane, while we have a couple minutes left, would you share with us about that website that you were telling me about? Yes, it's powertoquit.org. Um, and what it is, is uh, it's a really good online program, and we are offering it for free. Um, we're giving back. And, um, you know, it's a, a program where uh, you can go online. There's webinars. There's meetings. Um, it's 28 chapters. Uh, the first one is the art of hope. Um, what we want people to do is we want people to be able to find their true authentic self. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really good place to start. Um, if you're, you know, for individuals that may be listening that, um, want to do a little bit more, uh, keeps you busy. You know, there's workbooks at the end of every chapter and, um, you know, you, we, we have them write down. Uh, you know, their answers in the workbook and it cognitively helps them. Um, you know, it's, uh, we want to, we, we kind of approach it, um, a little bit differently. You know, we can, we approach it from, you know, love. Um, you know, we, as addicts, we are, we're filling that void and, you know, we, we want to fill it up with love and finding our true authentic self. So we, we're helping thousands of people and it's, uh, you know, I'm really excited to be a big part of it. I think that's terrific, Shane. Can you give us that website again, please? Yeah, www.powertoquit.org. Powertoquit.org. And does that focus on all addictions? Yes. Yes, ma'am, it does. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I think everybody should uh, continue to seek and check out different things. There's many pathways to recovery. There's many different approaches to each individual program even and a lot of different philosophies we've had a lot of different opinions and shared a lot of different things here today and i hope the show has helped you and if you're just getting out of rehab 
find some support. I think bottom line is get a sponsor, get dialed in, get some people around you, have somebody help you with a recovery plan. And I think that's where we're at today. Wherever there is breath, there is hope. Never give up and never quit fighting. Please support our advertisers so we can continue to bring you Sober in the City and visit SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for Apple Android devices. Please support the Freedom from Addiction Foundation at FFAFoundation.com. Please put a dollar in the basket today. Until next week, I'm Debbie Strand, one day at a time, staying sober in the city. It's coursing through your veins, taking away the pain. You'll never be the same with drug music. Drug music. This psychedelic trip will make you throw a fit. Can you hit the Sober in the City, hosted by Debbie Strand, is produced for the world by Up Media Group International LLC with all rights reserved. Visit us online today at SoberInTheCity.com for up-to-date information on addiction, recovery, and living one day at a time. Sober in the City supports the Freedom from Addiction Foundation. You can give a dollar today at FFAFoundation.com. Sober in the City is an on-air 12-step-based recovery program designed to help those suffering from alcoholism and or addiction and those affected by them. Call your local radio station today and ask for Sober in the City and visit SoberInTheCity.com. At Belief Treatment Center, we understand. We understand you are struggling. That's why our treatment nourishes mind, body, and spirit. We understand that recovery works differently for everyone. That's why we design individual treatment programs specifically for you. At Belief Treatment Center, we understand that it's not easy. That's why we offer a comprehensive scope of services including nutrition, massage, chiropractic, and aftercare for you and even for your family. Believe Treatment Center is a 12-step friendly, state-of-the-art facility located in gorgeous Palm Beach County, Florida. We are experts in all types of addiction and recovery, and we are proud sponsors of Sober in the City. To find out more about our program and how your insurance may cover your treatment, call us today at one 855 874 2354. That's 855-874-2354. 1-855-874-2354. Or visit BelieveTreatmentCenter.com. Believe Treatment Center. We understand.